This podcast is brought to you by Blackbee Ministries International. To find out more, visit blackbee.org. Welcome to the Richard Blackaby Leadership Podcast. My name is Sam and I'm your host and helping to take our leadership to the next level is Richard Blackaby. Great to be with you, Sam. Nice to have you home from the road for a few days. Or, yeah. Well, you, you've got a stretch here that you're going to be home. I got some traveling, but it's for fun, not for work. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you've been uh, just burning up the, the highway these days, or the, yeah. air, the airways probably. Yeah. You're not doing many road trips, but you are uh, traveling all over the country. Um, and we've, we've mentioned this before, but you know, you've, you've spoken just all over the country already this year and in several different, um, uh, nations as well. So you've, you've really been putting in the miles. Uh, I, yeah. I, I dare not even ask what your, uh, uh you know, your mileage yeah. count is. On. Well, you know, it's, I usually I'm trying to think, okay, how long is it going to take me to hit diamond status on Delta? Yeah. And, uh, at this point I'm not far from earning my second diamond status on Delta. <laughs> Oh, that's... And, and my my busy uh, fall travel hasn't even started yet. Yeah, so. well, that's uh, you know a good thing or a bad thing depending yeah, on how, you, say, how least, you look at it. <laughs> at least the phone keeps ringing, so that's, that's good. good. And uh, as part of that, you, you've you've been able to do a few uh, Q and As recently at some of your events, and I think yeah. that's always interesting. I love. Yeah. Uh, if I get to hear a speaker and then and then the audience gets to ask some questions because I think there is where a lot of the meat I think often comes from and I just when people are able to pick your brain um, and I think that that can be very uh uh, illuminating and eye-opening, and I think it also reveals sort of what's on people's heart. Like you, right, you've, right. you've been at a couple of different uh, events lately that have done the Q and A, yeah. and um, maybe just share with us what are some of those those questions that that have really stood out to you uh, as as part of those. Yeah, you know, it's interesting just what's on people's hearts and minds and what they're being exposed to sometimes or reading, and and uh, and then they have an opportunity to just ask what I think about some of those things. And so some, some of them are a little off the wall, but, uh, (laughs) a lot of times it's actually quite interesting. Um, the kind of, and a lot of times someone will ask a question and then a whole bunch of people in the room start nodding like, yeah, like I'd like to know the answer to that too. So, uh, (laughs) well, I think they say for every, you know, for every, you know, person that asks a question, you know, there's at least tenfold of people who, didn't ask the all question. the introverts are wondering about it but yeah exactly it's like for every out, one so. <laughs> comment on a on a video or a post there's at least 10 other people who would either agree or disagree yeah uh, with that same sentiment so uh, let me just kind of throw out a couple that just in the last week or so uh, that i was asked and uh, and maybe just share a little bit of the answer i gave one is kind of an interesting one someone uh, asked me and said um, they said, you know, when you're around Christians and, and someone shares a difficult thing they're going through, you know, maybe they're, they're concerned that they may lose their job. They've got maybe an overbearing boss that's kind of sending out signals that they may be getting ready to show them to the door or something. Um, our, of course, our typical response as Christians is to say, oh, well, I'll be praying for you. And, uh, you know, it's just, of course, it's not a bad thing to pray for someone. There's a lot of power in that. But uh, but this person said, uh, Richard, I, um, but, you know, it just seems, it sounds kind of trite to me. Mm-hmm. It, it just sounds like, 
uh, it's like what you're supposed to say, but I don't I don't know that it actually gives any comfort. Well, it's a, it's a kind of a platitude with no meaning. Right, and it. and you just say it, but it's like saying, "Well, God bless you" or something. But it's you don't necessarily know that that number one that person's given any thought at all to your problem. You, you're not even necessarily convinced that they will actually pray at some point, even though they said they would. It's is that more of just a saying that you say, which without any intent to actually fall through. And so they said, uh, "What should I do with that? And is there a better way? Is there something better I can say uh, than just, oh, well, I'll, I'll be praying for you?" And you know, I see that a lot of times on on like Facebook or something. You you make a comment about, uh, you know, hey, I'm, I'm seeing the doctor this week or so-and-so just is going through a hard time or something and we we just write praying or I'll be praying or something. And, um, and is there more or something different you could say that would actually bring more comfort and not just be the same thing that everybody else says? Mm. And so um, just a couple of thoughts I had as I was trying to think of an answer uh, for this person, uh, one is I, I was, you know, I was encouraged that this person didn't want to be uh, just cliched and yeah. didn't want to give some trite answer. Uh, they they really do care and they they want to say things that make a difference and have impact for good. And so that was great. And secondly, I would say it's not certainly one of the most powerful, it may be the most powerful thing you can do is to pray. And sometimes that can seem, again, a bit sort of cliched. It's like, well, are you telling me that uh, you know, getting down on my knees by my bed and praying for this person is more helpful than like bringing them a casserole and a homemade pie? You know, it's like, well... Uh, Can't you do both? Yeah, I say, who says it has to be either or? Yeah, uh, but in many ways, yeah. I mean, if, I mean, really, based in our theology, if if you summon God to be involved in the process, that's probably going to have greater impact for good than even a, a nice pie you made or a or a casserole that you put together. And so, I don't want to I don't want to minimize uh, the fact that you pray because the actual. Uh, the actual praying is perhaps the most powerful, significant thing that you'll actually do. But, but what I would say is, uh, think about how you say that. Mm-hmm. I mean, now a lot of people, literally on on Facebook and things, I'll just see people will post like, "Hey, really, um, want, you know, just want to let my friends know that this is going to be a really hard day today, and I'm going to be facing this or doing this," and then people just write. Pray. Praying, you know, one word, um, and that's it. Why bother with articles and you know? Yeah, it's uh, didn't, you didn't give me an article there. It's uh, uh, so um, w- is there something th- more that you can say? And I mean, I, I know in an age of uh, of text messaging and so on, it's all about minimal uh, verbiage. But yeah, uh, it's all shorthand. But if you're trying to truly encourage someone. Uh, sometimes maybe it's it, less is not necessarily always more. And so one, one thing I, I, I would just suggest is this. Um, if you're going to say, if you, I mean, if you really do truly want to encourage someone uh, in a, spe- a specific way, then, then get a little bit more specific. So if someone says, you know, I'm, I, my boss is just really on a tirade right now and I'm, concerned that uh, I could end up getting let go of my job and 
so under a lot of stress right now at work and so on, um, then, yeah, it's fine to tell them you're going to pray, but why don't you say, tell them what you're going to pray is what I would say. Yeah. So say, hey, really sorry to hear what you're going through. I just want you to know I'm going to be paying, praying for you regularly in the next couple of weeks. And then say, and this is what I'm going to pray. This is what I'm going to ask God. That, number one, he would surround your heart and mind with his peace that surpasses all understanding. So no matter what happens, you're going to just, you're not going to stress out about it. You're going to just leave it in God's hands. And secondly, I'm going to pray that you will do as uh, Peter says in First Peter 5, 7, that you will cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. And so I'm praying that even though I know this is a very difficult time, that uh, you're going to find that your load is very light. And, uh, and, I'm, and the third, I'm going to just pray that God will uh, fill you with his joy, just like uh, Paul and Silas could have joy after being beaten and thrown into prison in Philippi. I'm going to pray that your, your joy just has an unusual way of just uh, bubbling up within you, even though it's, I know it's very stressful at work. And, and then finally, I'm just going to pray that all of your kids who are at home, that, and, and maybe your spouse and those who know what's going on in your life, maybe even colleagues at work that aren't Christians are going to watch the noble and joyful way, the peaceful way that you handle this stressful situation and that they're going to um, be drawn to God because they see the difference that God makes in your life. Uh, and so you... you well, I, I didn't even ask for prayer, but that is such a, <laughs> you know, I think that is such a powerful... Um, a powerful uh, response to someone, yeah, because it is specific, and and, and, and it can all be um, uh, uh, validated in a way that just says, yeah, I I would agree with that. Like that is yeah. something. And I've had many people say that very thing. They've said, "Wow, uh, would you please pray that? That would be awesome if God would do that in my life." Where I, yeah. uh, and you know, one other thing I, I always notice my dad doing, which I I think is a good thing. I try to do it. Uh, periodically at least, and that is uh, maybe throw a scripture verse in there too. Like I, you know, as I, in that particular scenario, I mentioned First Peter 5, 7, uh, casting all your care upon him. And of course, there's a passage in Philippians about the peace of God that you know, guards your heart mm-hmm. and so on in your mind and that uh, surpasses all understanding. And, and so I think too, uh, giving maybe a specific uh, verse, a lot of times that's very meaningful to people. They'll Either you kind of write out the verse or you reference it and they look it up. But, uh, but again, if you're, if, you're giving, if you're telling them, I'm going to be praying this particular verse uh, into your life, well, that's pretty encouraging because God uh, honors his word. And so if you're going to be praying his word back to him on that person's behalf, that's a pretty powerful thing. And so um, that, and, and that, the other thing is that that shows that you've actually taken a moment to think about the situation. Right. You've actually you've actually thought about what is it that God would want to do in that situation, and you're not te- you're not necessarily saying, "Oh yeah, I know that even though you've got a terrible boss, uh, you, I, I'm sure God wants you to not lose your job." I mean, you don't necessarily know that, but you do know God wants uh, to guard their heart and mind and, yeah. and grant His peace and His joy regardless of whether they keep their job or not. And you know that God wants them to 
give a good witness and uh, demonstration of faith to their kids and those watching them. And so there's things you can pray with confidence, regardless of how the actual situation turns out. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I that, that what that tells me is, you know what, that person read the situation I'm going through today on on social media, and they they actually took a moment to just consider what it is that God might want to do in my life, and then they wrote it out. Uh, very eloquently and thoughtfully, and that really was an encouragement. And so, I mean, you may not have time necessarily. You might not know the person as well, but there there are moments where when I see someone or hear someone share a request, um, I just take a moment to think, God, what is it that you would want to do in a situation like that? Um, put that on my heart, and then let me pray that. So. Which I think is is way more than what many Christians unfortunately do, which is, you know, their response is maybe trite and their prayer, unfortunately, is often trite and kind of a nothing prayer. And it just, um, even just to take those few moments and and think through what can you pray on behalf of this person uh, with confidence, uh, I think can make a world of difference. Yeah, and I've just watched my dad do that over the years where, he and he might just pray with them right in that moment, but what he would pray would be very thoughtful, very yeah. insightful, very biblically oriented, and it would just give hope because you know here's a person that takes my my dilemma very seriously, and they're praying very thoughtfully, and and that can be a powerful thing. So so that's uh, some of what I shared with uh, uh, someone this week, and a second second question that came up was uh, someone said. Uh, they said, you know, a lot, uh, kind of along the same vein, but they said, you know, sometimes people will, will have a, a serious problem. Um, you know, maybe they've just, uh, their doctors have said, it looks like you've got uh, a fairly serious illness that we're going to have to address in your life. Or you know, maybe it's a financial crisis, or maybe they've got a child that uh, is struggling with drugs or, you know, something bad that's happening in their life. <clears throat> and Another kind of common thing that Christians will will often say is, um, I wonder what God is trying to teach you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, <clears throat> and you know, in one sense, that can kind of sound spiritual. Uh, I wonder what God's trying to teach you with the fact that your transmission went out and you also got two flat tires. Uh, you know, what is God trying to teach you? Or, um, or you've lost your job and you, now you're you're unemployed and can't pay your rent at the end of the month. What is God trying to teach you? Uh, and I've, I've learned that just like making statements, I think uh, likewise asking a bad question is not necessarily helpful. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, of course, you can always learn something from every situation. So can God teach you something in every circumstance of your life? Well, God certainly can do that. But is that but but I think when you just ask that question automatically, uh, number one, you, I guess you're assuming that perhaps God's caused this so that he can yeah. teach you a lesson. And I'd be careful, first of all, not to give God credit for whatever bad thing just happened. Yeah. Now, can God take a bad thing that's happened in your life and help you grow from it? Well, certainly he can do that. But but sometimes when you when you just say, well, what what is God trying to teach you? Then it, it sort of implies, well, God must have 
you know, been responsible for your transmission going out so that now you have to learn a new lesson in trusting him with your finances. And you don't necessarily want to give God the credit for that. Uh, and uh, Romans eight twenty eight, we touched on this a, a week or two ago, but um, it, it says that God can cause all, you know, can bring about good even in, uh, in, in all circumstances, uh, work things together for good. But um, that doesn't necessarily mean that, that he caused it. And, and that doesn't necessarily mean that God, I mean, God does want us always to be learning. But, but I think there's other, God has other purposes sometimes than just having us in perpetual school all the time too. Mm-hmm. And sometimes bad things just happen and God may just want to comfort us or God may want to just protect us right now. And we're certainly going to experience him in certain ways uh, and we can learn uh, certainly in different ways. But, um, but don't, don't necessarily, I guess what I'm saying is don't necessarily put one grid over every, every circumstance that someone has. Um, don't just assume that everything that happens must have been caused by God to, to keep you in school and teach you a new lesson. Uh, maybe God had nothing to do with that. Maybe it was just a bad circumstance. It was uh, an evil person that you work with, uh, an evil person that was on the road and wasn't paying attention. Uh, but, uh, but now that you've had that experience, um, maybe learning something's not your primary need right now. Maybe it's God's provision, God's peace. Yeah. Uh, don't you, so I would. I, I guess I'd want to be a little careful. Maybe if they're very shaken by what just happened, uh, they're hurting by what just happened, they're confused by what just happened. Uh, maybe uh, additional schooling is not necessarily what God is thinking is foremost in their life right now. Maybe yeah. they just need to be experiencing His peace right now, or someone that just. Uh, is with them and comforts them. You know, in one sense, that sort of was the issue with Job's friends, right? They, Job was hurting and lost everything, lost his kids, uh, lost his health, lost his finances, and they're wanting to debate theology with him. They, they're trying to help him, sort of teach him a lesson of, the, uh, and really, really needed with just friends who just weep with him, just be, be there with him and, and comfort him and. They didn't necessarily have the answers, and God wasn't necessarily given the answers uh, in that case. They just had to hold on to God uh, with Job, and uh, they tried to turn it into a lesson, and yeah. that, that didn't go all that well. Well, and I and I don't know if if underlying this question or this this kind of a question is maybe something unique to Western culture, but um, I think oftentimes it 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 seems to just negate the negative feelings that come with a tragedy or with hard times. And and I think there's, there's this urge to move past a mourning stage or uh, a grief and straight into the, well, what, how can I be better because of this? It's like, well, there'll be time for that. Yeah. But it may be that it's, you need to mourn, you need to grieve or you need to just, to, to be in that for a season yeah, and before you, you go and learn a bunch of Right, you may stuff. need to, don't just immediately put your teacher hat on yeah. every time you're dealing with someone who's hurting. There's other hats that might be more important for you to wear right now than that. And so exactly. but this person, I think, it, they just sort of uh, said they, they, they knew they were dealing with someone that no matter what 
uh, people were going through, they were always asking, well, what is God teaching you through this? And, um, and you know, when you get to the other side, sometimes uh, there may be some lessons as you reflect back on it. But when you're right in the midst of it or it's just yeah. unfolding, you, you haven't even had time necessarily to learn a lesson yet. You're, you're still trying to recover from the shockwave of the immediate crisis. And so, again, we, and we've said this uh, recently a couple times on our, our podcast, but as you're dealing with people, and certainly in this time where there's a lot of hurt, a lot of confusion, uh, it, I think it is just wise for us uh, to to thoughtfully consider what words that could come out of our mouth that would be most helpful yeah. at this time. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's take a quick break. I'm very excited about the online class that BMI is offering, When God Speaks. This is the first book I ever wrote with my father and perhaps one of the most important issues you'll ever address. How do you know when God is speaking to you? God speaks in many different ways uh, and God always has something life-changing, something crucial that he wants to communicate with you. You can't afford to miss what God has to say to you. Sometimes he may speak out loud, but often he speaks in numerous other ways as well. And you need to be alert to the numerous ways God may be wanting to communicate his will with you. This is a six-week course in which we'll look at all the major issues related to God speaking to his people. It's full of videos and studies that you can do, um, and I know it will bless your life as you look very carefully at the various ways God may be wanting to communicate with you in these very important days in which we live today. Well, Richard, it's it's great to hear uh, questions from the road, yeah. Um, as you've as you've been able to travel and, and just hear what's on people's heart. Uh, maybe in just a few minutes we have left, uh, I know you've got a, a, at least one more yeah. uh, question that that has come up um, that you can share with us today. Yeah, another question someone uh, presented to me. Uh, I was actually up at the Word of Life uh, Conference Center up in Scroon Lake. Uh, recently and uh, spoke all week on uh, my book, The Ways of God. And then uh, the last day, it was they, they were given an hour just to ask questions from the week or just whatever else they wanted to ask. And uh, so some of these questions came from, from that. But uh, another question that someone asked in that uh, time, they referenced uh, a couple of places in Hebrews, and especially Hebrews 10, uh, beginning verse 26, and they and so I let me just read a couple of those verses, and then I'll give you their question. They said, "For if we deliberately go on sinning after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of a fire about to consume the adversaries. Anyone who disregarded the law of Moses died without mercy, based on the testimony of two or three witnesses." How much worse punishment do you think one will deserve who has trampled on the Son of God, who has regarded as profane the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified, and who has insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know the one who has said, Vengeance belongs to me, I will repay, and again the Lord will judge his people. It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of a living God. And so it goes on uh, more and um it says, uh, we'll go on a little bit later to talk about endurance and so on. And, uh, um, and the verse 39, the last verse in that chapter says, but we are not uh, those who draw back and are destroyed, but those who have faith and are saved. And so, of course, the question was, uh, can a Christian 
lose their salvation. Um, and there's several, there's three or four different passages, particularly in, in Hebrews, that seems to speak toward that. It, it, it encourages believers to say, uh, keep persevering. Um, don't quit believing and, uh, or worse things can happen to you. And so the, the, uh, the question is, why would the writer of Hebrews urge people to persevere if there was a, if there wasn't a possibility that they might not persevere? And, um, and so the question is, can a person who is, and I think we all, we all understand that there may, there may be people that have been attending church for a while, or might even have professed to be a Christian, that perhaps aren't really Christians. They're, they've kind of been swept along with the flow, but uh, they're not really believers. And, and, and First John says, you know, there were those who were among us, but they weren't of us. Mm-hmm. And so you get that sense of, yeah, there's some people sort of pass through church, and maybe they're kind of uh, quite active and prominent for a little while, but then their true colors come out and you realize, oh yeah, they were just, they never were really saved. They, they said the words and they, they might've even thought they were, but now they're denouncing all of that and saying it was not, not real or whatever else. Uh, or maybe they're just, they, they, they still think they're Christians, but now they're not living at all like a Christian. And so, uh, so, but the question is, but is it possible for someone that has been genuinely, converted, who, who genuinely has been born again and is a Christian, to at some point later down the road uh, to, to fall from grace, to have been truly saved at one point and then become unsaved. Uh, and so that's, of course, a great question. And I know a lot of people that uh, that is a very prominent question because maybe they have a child that prayed the sinner's prayer and when they were a child and they were baptized, but now they're a teenager, they're in their 20s, and they want really nothing more to do with God. And so the parents uh, desperately hope that there's evidence to say, but even though they may not be going to church anymore, reading their Bibles anymore, that once saved, always saved. And uh, so, um, you know, as I look at that, especially this particular passage, um, I think you have to be, there, there's several things I might just say about that. One is, uh, you know, be, be careful. There's times where the Bible will talk about if you fall away, um, you'll face judgment. And, uh, and the only thing I would just say with that is uh, be careful. Judgment is not necessarily the same thing as loss of your salvation. Uh, God will discipline you even when you're our, when you're a believer. When you're a child mm-hmm. of God, you'll be disciplined. And if you, as a, as a child of God, you just continually imagine your your sweet little daughter Claire that is so pliable and uh, and open to instruction from her parents who love her. Uh, but suppose that one day uh, you told her it's time to go to bed, and she just said no. Uh, I'm not going to bed. And so you you speak a little bit more firmly and it doesn't matter. She's digging her heels in. She's not going to bed. Well, you, you realize that, I mean, if she just continually said no and you had to, you know, do whatever you could, I mean, you're, you're going to keep on kind of ratching up uh, the consequence. Uh, and with that 
stubborn child. You might have to really ratchet up quite a bit. Uh, I have no idea what you, what you speak of, Richard. <laughs> yeah, have you seen pictures of Claire? Uh, she's the most, be- most beautiful little four-year-old girl you ever saw, but does have uh, does have her mind made up at times about how things should be. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Put, but putting it mildly. But even if you. Even if you you know go to great lengths, I mean, it might might be an ugly, ugly experience for all involved by the time it's done. It uh, typically is. If yeah. were that experience, yeah, ever she, that hypothetical experience, yeah. Uh, but the, and and it may be unpleasant. Uh, it may be uh, much anguish, uh, much suffering, uh, much uh, discomfort. But um, but she's still going to be your child. Uh, yeah. You can't unmake her as your child once yeah. she is a child, and so you know sometimes when just because it talks about uh, the the fear of judgment or uh, the wrath of God now now typically God's wrath is going to be expressed toward unbelievers in rebellion, but um, but I would just say if the if the Bible doesn't come right out and say you're going to lose your salvation, if it just talks about judgment. Um, then I mean, judgment typically is reserved for unbelievers, but um, but here I think it's saying. But if you and 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 the the tragedy is when you know the grace of God and you know His love for you and you know how important it is, His word is life, and yet you still reject it. Then uh, then the writer of Hebrews is kind of saying, well, what what else is left for you? I mean, you've got God's word, you have a spirit, you you know what God uh, has done for you. And you know how important his word is. And you still, you know, after God's given you everything, you still aren't wanting to, to, to follow him. Then the writer of Hebrews is basically saying, what, what else does God have? Like he's given you everything that he has. And mm-hmm. for you, it's not enough. Uh, and so there's nothing left but just basically God raising his voice. Um, but the other thing I would say, just from a theological perspective, too, and we've Sure, we've talked about this before, but um, but it also matters what you think, what you believe happens theologically when you become a Christian, because if you think that what that all that really happens is that you know you pray a sinner's prayer and then you get your name added to the book of life, uh, and so when you die, you get you know up to heaven before Saint Peter and he checks the book out and your name's in the book, so you you're admitted in. Uh, and so if, if all that salvation is, is basically your name gets put, you, you get a reservation for heaven when you die. Well, then I guess theoretically your name could be erased from the book. You could be have a line drawn through. Uh, the, you know, this one's canceled. Um, but, but a lot more happens in your life than simply you getting a reservation for heaven. Uh, the Bible says when you truly are, are born again that the old you actually dies and so the the essence of you the sinful essence and driving force of your life uh, is put to death and an entirely new you a new man it says is born and and so that's why it says you're is like Jesus said to Nicodemus Nicodemus you're born again and so uh if you're born again that means that you're someone else and so fundamentally, I think something at the very depths of who you are is transformed. And so you can uh, later 
turn from God, reject God, dis, you know, disobey God. But I don't know that you can uh, somehow not be born again anymore. I don't know how you can, you know, the, the whole idea of baptism is it, it portrays a, a, ba- a funeral, that you're lowered into the grave and then you're raised back up again as a new person. Someone new comes up out of the grave. So I don't know how you can put that new person back in the grave and bring up the old you back again. Mm-hmm. I, uh, because again, salvation ultimately is something that God does. And so if God is the one who saves you, then only God could unsave you. I don't, I don't know how you could undo what God has done. Mm-hmm. So I just, I struggle theologically with uh, how you could, even though God is the one who put to death the old you, raised up a brand new you, I don't think that you've got the power to do that. Uh, and so I, do, I can't, from a theological perspective, I don't know how you could ever lose your salvation. I, I, I do think, you know, I, I do believe that typically if you are truly born again, then uh, you will you will persevere. You will continue on. Uh, and so I have tended to think that when someone is in church for a while or you know, praying or worshiping or even serving God for a while, but then turns from that in a very decisive, definitive way, then I'm more inclined to think this person just never was saved. It, it's easier... Yeah. It's easier to imagine someone that just was going through the motions and because they said a prayer or something, they've just assumed they've been saved. Uh, it's, it's much easier to imagine that than to imagine someone actually losing something that God's done for them. And so there, there are some warnings, though, and I think, you know, I want to try to take every uh, passage of the Bible seriously. And, uh, and so when, when Christians are being warned uh, to keep persevering for, unless perhaps they're, you know, they're going to lose something. Um, I would tend to think, I mean, I guess he's writing it to Christians. So, uh, perhaps there's something here that Christians obviously need to heed, but, uh, these letters are written to the church typically as well. And, and I think within every church, there are some that assume that they're saved when they're really not. And so mm-hmm. I could certainly see if you were reading this letter to an entire church, that there might be some that have just made some assumptions that they might hear these words and then think, oh, well, boy, am I, am I really in the faith? Have I been born again? Uh, and maybe I need to make, you know, make sure I get that confirmed in my life. So, so it's an important question. I, like I said, especially when it could be for you, and you may have some doubts sometimes, uh, but oftentimes uh, for parents as well of kids that grow up and then walk away, mm. uh, this is a pretty important uh, truth uh, to wrestle with. And there's a lot more verses. We might look at some other ones at another time. But uh, my own gut feeling is uh, you can certainly, your your love for God can certainly uh, grow lukewarm at times. You can neglect your walk with God. Uh, you can neglect your heart and your relationship with him and things could certainly be much less vibrant than they used to be. But to just blatantly turn from God without any care and walk away uh, defiantly, uh, then I would tend to think, I, I, I wonder if you truly were ever fully saved in the first place. Mm. 
Well, these are all good questions, and I, I really appreciate you walking us through these and answering some of them, and uh, we'll uh, leave it there, and until next time. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If this is something you enjoyed, it really makes a difference if you leave a review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We always love hearing from our listeners, so email us at podcast at blackv.org.